0: This episode is brought to you by Logos Bible Software. Logos Bible Software is by far my favorite and most used Bible study tool. I use it for sermon prep, personal Bible study, and it's where I've chosen to buy my books and build my theological library. In Logos, your books aren't just books, but they're integrated with a host of tools that not only enhance the value of those books, but empower your study of scripture. Listeners of this podcast can get a special discount on Logos by following my unique link in the show notes. And in addition to that discount, they're going to go ahead and throw in a free five books for you. If you're unsure, go ahead and follow that link anyways, because there's also a free version of Logos that you can get. That's right, free. All right, now to the podcast. La, 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 la. everybody, you are listening to the Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church, for the church. My name is Kirk Miller, and today we are continuing our series on the coronavirus, and I want to take this episode to talk about the doctrine of the church, what is formally called ecclesiology. Ecclesia is Greek for church, so ecclesiology is the study of the church. Now, you may be thinking that's kind of an odd thing to talk about in a series on the coronavirus, but in fact, it is not. Um, This is probably one of the biggest areas that is being wrestled through and discussed among pastors right now when it comes to uh, the current circumstance in which we find ourselves. We understand the church. Most of us have a decent doctrine of the church, a decent understanding and theology of the church that we've We already have formulated before any of this arose, but the question becomes, how do we apply it in this situation um, when we're not able to gather on Sunday mornings as we normally do? And I would say too, one of the things that we're seeing is the way some Christians and churches are responding in this moment, sort of seamlessly, without necessarily wrestling through these questions, at times can be indicative of a rather poor ecclesiology and so, it's an opportunity for you, even if you are not a pastor, I think it's just a great opportunity for us to be self conscious of what we mean, what we mean the church is, what we mean by church. Um, even in this moment, as we're sort of pressed into these unusual forms it's taking, which sort of pushes these questions on us, if that makes sense. And if it doesn't, hopefully it will make more sense as I go on. One of the first questions I want to address, though, is a question that I've seen raised, is are we disobeying the command of Hebrews 10.25 if we don't meet on Sunday mornings? And let me just pull that passage up on my computer here. That's the passage that says that we are not to neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so I have seen some people appeal to that passage to say we should never close our doors on Sunday because that passage tells us to meet together and we should really trust God. To neglect to meet for any circumstance is really to not trust God in His word in telling us to meet together. Um, now, I don't agree with that application of that passage. I do agree with that verse, obviously. Um, we are commanded to meet together regularly. And I would say, apart from exceptional circumstances, I would say this is an exceptional circumstance. So you'll notice that even in that verse itself, it says, as is the habit of some. Don't neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. This is not talking about folks who occasionally miss, like when they get sick or when there's a a huge blizzard and we can't make it to church. Um, We understand, most of us, there are exceptions to this. This doesn't mean that you literally have to be there every Sunday. It should be a habit. If you don't have good reason to miss, you should be there. Um, We should value our time together as a family. But there are, of course, exceptions. We wouldn't want someone who's super sick to show up and get everyone else sick. Or if someone just had a baby Saturday night, we're not going to expect them to show up on Sunday. Um, we have exceptions to this. Now, you may say, well, those are those are exceptions to individuals, but it's different when it's the church. The church actually proactively saying we're not meeting from like a leadership level. And I, w- and I would say, yes, that is a difference. Um, but we understand nonetheless, in principle, that there are exceptions. Um, so this is addressing people though, where it says that they are in the habit of not meeting together. These are people who it's referring to people who willfully and intentionally are disregarding local church fellowship, Not people who uh, are motivated, for example, as a way of caring for the larger society or caring for the specific situation in which they find themselves, like like we're trying to do, for example. Um, it's a lack of gathering not motivated by neglect. But by handling the situation responsibly, and it's it's written to people then presumably who could otherwise have gathered together. That there's not an excuse, in other words, a reasonable excuse, um, and especially when we think about being motivated to to care for the health and safety of our neighbor of our neighbors, and also wanting to obey the other command in scripture. That's also equally in scripture to subject ourselves to governing authorities. Um, so we might consider ourselves in this case what? Sometimes folks have, have, have used this terminology providentially hindered. By the providence of God, we find ourselves in a situation where, where we are hindered from our regular physical assembly. Um, and so we are by, by by not gathering, I do not think we are violating Hebrews 10. All right. The other thing I would want to say is show your pastors, an incredible amount of grace and patience during this situation so I don't think any of us just given the last time something like this has occurred I don't think any of us have ever pastored through a pandemic before or have um, like I have not been mentored by someone who pastored under a pandemic before like this is very new to us this is not uh, pastoring in the pandemics uh, 101 was not a class they offered in seminary Um, and so Show patience as we try to wrestle through and think through. We're going to make mistakes, and there may not be a perfect option always. We we we're going to try to do the best we can. Um, also, in terms of churches, if your church is one like ours that has closed on Sunday, um, in terms of closing the actual physical gathering, this isn't. Don't don't think that this is a decision that any of us made lightly. Um, I know for myself and um, our church, like our elders talked about this extensively um this was we wrestled through this like what do we do it's a tough call uh, it's a tough situation so it's not something that we of, of course we of all people want to be able to gather on Sunday we love gathering on Sunday um and so we don't make this a decision like this lightly but as pastors we have an obligation to care for the church and not endanger our people or subject them to, Illnesses, especially the people who are more vulnerable, and we also have an obligation to care for our society as everyone else does, and not contributing to the spread of this illness. And we want to be sensitive to our witness. What does it look like to a watching world if it if it is perceived, if it if it it's very much seems like we don't seem to care about the ramifications of us meeting, and we just continue to meet? It, it, it could demonstrate a level of irresponsibility that's not helpful for our testimony. The other thing I would say is then pray for your pastor. Because these are difficult decisions, pray for your pastor. Um, Pastors are likely a part of elder teams that may not totally see eye to eye in every little issue and have to work these things out, where it maybe isn't very clear cut. Um, they may feel pressure from certain people in the congregation who may not be pleased with certain decisions. There's a lot of things going on. I mean, there's just, these are just hard decisions to make. The, different pastors are going to find themselves in different situations with the di- with different logistic difficulties, depending on the size of your church, depending on if you have a building or not. We don't have a building. And all those sort of things create different difficulties. I want to help us think through this theologically. One of the things I want to clarify is that I've, I've seen things said and posted and and whatnot where, where folks have referred to church being canceled. And I'm not going to act like I haven't said that, those exact words myself. Um, now, we know what, we know what is meant. The Sunday physical gathering is being suspended. But let's be clear, theologically speaking, believer, the church cannot be canceled. Why? Our doctrine of the church states that the church is a people. The Bible tells us that the church is the congregation. It is an assembly of people. It is not a building. It is not a service on Sunday morning. It's not something that we attend. And so church, since we are a people, we continue being the people, even when we don't gather physically together on Sunday morning. We might have to change the way that we operate as a people, but we are still a people. We are still a community. And so this has a lot of implications. What does this mean practically? It means that we, we are not canceled. The church as the church is not canceled. We are still a family, even in this moment. We should stay connected. You know, it might look like making phone calls, texting each other, video chats, writing letters to one another, um, caring about each other, even in this moment. And that might mean even um, doing what you can to reach out to shut-ins, people who aren't, maybe as, who have difficulty connecting with the church online. Maybe giving them a phone call, writing them a letter. Um, People who can't go anyplace, caring for one another. The other thing too is as a lot of churches move towards live streaming, um, because the church is a people and not something that can be canceled like an event, this should teach us also that the church is not a live stream. It's not something that can be live streamed. The church is not a service that we observe. In other words, it's a people that we are a part of. Now, I don't say that because I'm against the live streaming. I'm not. I'm not against that in principle. Um, I may we may practice things a little bit differently here, but I'm not going to say that it's wrong to live stream or anything like that. But there is a danger that such things in this moment, where a lot of our churches are understandably moving to live stream to continue to provide their congregations content and to shepherd them that way. Um, teaching is a very important part of, the, of what it means to be the church and the Christian faith. So it's understandable that a lot of churches that, even if they haven't before, are now moving towards live stream options. But there's a danger in this moment that it only further promotes false views of the church. For example, that church can be substituted for a live stream or podcast. That church is like basically just a resource that I use. So it's like a message that I get to hear on a weekly basis. And if that's the case, well, I don't really need to be a part of the people. I don't need to go there. I don't need to actually interact with folks. I can just listen to a live stream or a podcast. And I can do that even when COVID 19 isn't a threat. Or it can promote a very consumeristic view of the church. It can promote a sort of individualistic view of the church that, as I said, that views the church something as like a resource. The church is not meant to be seen as sort of this religious resource that sort of enhances our life and gives us individual inspiration. The church is a people that we are a part of, and certainly it does provide us resources. It does feed us, as we like to say. Um, but the church is much more than just hearing a message. you know. And some, some of our church practices, I speak broadly, not of my own, of my own churches necessarily, but like of the church broadly, some of the church practices that we've seen throughout evangelicalism have only built up false ideas of the church by catering church um, essentially as this resource for people's spiritual benefit, as a service one receives rather than a family or or a group of mutual edifiers and a people that lives on mission together. And so if that's your mindset, going into this crisis shifting fully or even partly to online church quote unquote could seem like a seamless thing well of course just move we just have an online campus we do online church and i would say that that's actually indicative of a shallow ecclesiology that there should be something in us that says that's not normal to do church online that's not that's maybe it's not bad to put stuff online as a church But to conceive of church as something that can exist online, apart from the actual assembly of the people, and apart from that sense of community, we are bodily people meant to bodily gather. Like... That is, if, if, if that shift is seamless for you, what I'm arguing is that is indicative of a shallow theology. And I would say even to people in a church like my own where we're not going to practice that sort of seamless shift and it's going to, and we are going to say, this is weird. This is not normal. I would still want to say to even people in my own church where the leadership and the church structures are going to guide that way, make sure you're not susceptible to nonetheless thinking that way. Um, to thinking of churches as something that can seamlessly shift to an online stream live stream is not a church. And on the other hand, if if you're a pastor or a church member who is struggling and wrestling with this idea of canceling the actual in-person gathering, that's probably because there is a more implicit, accurate understanding in your mind of the church. You're feeling the weight of, of of what that means to cancel the physical gathering that this is irregular. This is not normal. It runs against the grain of what it means to conduct ourselves as the church. And again, this doesn't mean that canceling the, the gathering is wrong or that using technology is wrong. It doesn't mean that live streams or videos are bad, but we have to remember that they are not the church. Such technology should be seen as a circumstantial accommodation. And even so, it's not the same thing as gathering. It's not a substitute, not something to grow used to as a permanent option. There is, there is something in the Bible about the church being an actual assembly of people. The word means the assembly. And so even to assemble virtually, as our church is doing, um, we're actually assembling virtually, and I still want to think of it as actually us assembling, even though it's virtual, and not physical. It's, we have to admit, it's admittedly something that's irregular, and it's not something that we should want to normalize in our theology. So this is how we're thinking about it as a church, for instance. We are we are a church that is uh, relatively smaller, probably on the scale of all churches, more average in size, about 100 people in attendance, a little bit less than that. And so we are using Zoom, a program called Zoom, where we're all able to log in and have a uh, virtual meeting together. It's like a video chat thing, kind of like Skype or Google Hangout or FaceTime, um, but it allows a lot more people to join. Um, and one of the benefits of this, this is not then a live stream. Okay. So it's not that we are recording a sermon and putting it up on Facebook or YouTube. Again, not that I'm saying that those things are wrong, um, but the difference here is that we're actually all able to see each other. We're all able to talk to each other if we want. Um, And so there is still a sense of community here versus just like a one-way conversation where we're just putting out a sermon and people are just receiving the content. One of the benefits that, that I saw in heading this direction is to say, hey, we can still even though it's frustrating and we're not in person and that's that's not ideal, obviously, we can still nonetheless conduct ourselves as actually having a meeting with each other versus just, you watch this video that I put up and I'm not actually able to see you. I'm not actually able to interact with you. But here we're actually all able to see each other and, and hypothetically even hear each other if we want to talk and catch up. The other thing too is that we are actually continuing our services just like normal um, in the sense that we are having our call to worship, we're having music and still singing together, we're doing congregational prayers and praying together, reciting the creeds, confessing sin, hearing scripture preached, all the elements that we normally do, we want to continue doing that. We don't want to just have sort of a devotional or something. We want as much as we can because we value the gathering and we we value corporate worship. We're making the choice that we want to try to continue those elements as much as possible, even when there is obviously some differences. Now, other people are taking different approaches, and I'm not trying to say there's one right answer. That's what we're doing, and that's sort of the rationale behind what we're doing. I want to continue the services as much as possible. That's what our elders have decided, and have a sense of meeting versus just streaming. Other people are making different choices, and I'm not going to judge other people for doing something differently, because this is a tough spot, and everyone's situation is probably differently. I know Mark Dever, for example, has put out a tweet where they are just not having services at all. Um, They're not doing anything online. And that's his, his reasoning is, you know, within God's peculiar good providence. um, He has put circumstances in our way that, that it's not appropriate for us to be meeting during this time. And we have to just trust his goodness that we're not able to meet. So let's just trust his goodness. And I would say, okay, I can respect that, but we're because we value the gathering. He would say, because they value the gathering, they don't want to They wouldn't want to distort the gathering by making it something virtual that's not physical because they value the actual physical gathering. I would say, yes, I value the physical gathering as well. But particularly because I value the gathering, I want to maintain as much of it it as I can, even when we can't meet physically. So people are going to disagree on this, though. But those are some of the rationale that you might be thinking through. I mean, this is a situation where we want to use probably creative ways. Ways that are obviously orthodox within a sound philosophy of ministry, but we also want to probably be creative as we think of ministering to each other. Maybe um, we want to promote the, the multitude of good online Christian resources that are out there for people in their spare time to use as we're not able to necessarily meet with them as we normally would. or Maybe we want to uh, call people more or text people more. I mean, we live in a day where we have so much technology to continue ministering, even despite these barriers. We can meet with people over Zoom, et cetera. Lastly, I would say I hope that, however long we are not able to meet together, that as much as we are hopefully able to maintain a sense of meaningful community, even despite not being able to meet physically, that that this would the result of this would be simultaneously we praise God that He that we live in a day and age where we have the technology to still minister and continue to gather in, in those forms, but that we would also have a um, growing longing for when we will meet again, actually physically, that, that in the absence of these physical gatherings, it would be an opportunity um, for us to long for that time when we would gather again Um, and that we would grow in appreciation for our ability to gather uh, in such a regular weekly habit um, once things go back to normal. All right, so those are my reflections on ecclesiology. I hope that you find those helpful. Uh, We'll continue next time as we think about our spiritual disciplines during this time.